Hello, everybody, and welcome to this conference championship edition of our fantasy football podcast here at Pro Football Network. My name is Matt Kanata, Chief Executive Officer. I am joined by BJ Rudell, our fantasy football director here at PFN, to talk you through all of the DFS tips, advice, strategies that you need to know for today's championship games between the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Rams and the 49ers. Of course, BJ, the, the Chiefs and the Bengals are up first today. They're kicking off at 3 p.m. Eastern, and there is with both dynamic offenses. When you're looking at the DFS lineups, there is just so many toppings to choose from. Mike, you're at an ice cream bar, and you have the M&Ms, you have the Reese's Pieces, you have the whipped cream, you have the hot fudge, you have the caramel syrup, you have the gummy bears, the gummy worms. You don't know what to pick, but you only pick so many. Right. And you start getting higher and higher over your budget. Right. Right. And the same thing exactly applies to DFS lineups for today's game. And BJ, you have been studying all week. You have been looking at different kind of research. You have been looking at different kind of optimizers and different uh, strategies and uh, different variations of lineups before you settled on your final one. So let's jump into it. And for our listeners here, we're, we're doing DraftKings. But BJ is going to talk a little bit on how you could translate some of this to FanDuel as well if That's you right. choose to play on their platform. So, BJ, let's start off with the quarterback position, right? You have Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. And in your lineup here, uh, published on ProFootballNetwork.com, you have Patrick Mahomes at $16,800. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, Burrow. So this will be Burrow's, uh, I think it's third road game since before Thanksgiving. Just a, a strange confluence of scheduling and the fact that he didn't play in week 18. Uh, he's been a very different quarterback uh, in terms of home versus on the road, in terms of fantasy. Uh, there's also the angle of the, the Chiefs' last loss was to these Bengals in week 17. Uh, there is a revenge factor. We're going to get into that a little bit in terms of game scripting. Um, the Chiefs, I believe, will win this game by roughly a touchdown. Uh, perhaps it'll be bigger. I think the Bengals' offense is too good to count them out entirely. But I think the Chiefs have their number today. I'm leaning towards the Chiefs. And I'm also going to say when it comes to Mahomes, unlike uh, uh, Joe Burrow, who has Joe Mixon as a solid, singular entity at the running back position, the Chiefs have two to three guys between Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and perhaps Daryl Williams, who could contribute today. And I think that a lot of those guys are going to cancel each other out. And I think Mahomes is one of those guys, given his rushing ability, which has taken on another level in the second half of the season, and the fact that he will be the focal point of this offense makes him a better bet. And that's even despite Joe Burrow throwing for more than 400 yards, right, uh, last week, and, and having that dynamic duo with Jamar Chase. And you have in your lineup, so instead of stacking Burrow and Chase, you're right. stacking Mahomes and Hill together. That's right. Fascinating. I, I, this is one of those things that if if I tweet this out, people are going to say, well, that's ridiculous. Jamar Chase had 260 something yards and three touchdowns when these two teams last met. Tyreek Hill had, what, 40 yards on six catches. There's no question Jamar Chase is better. But that's not how we do things because that's not how the NFL works. Tyreek Hill, five times this season, it's, it's incredible when you think about it, five times this season, the Chiefs have played the same team twice. So we have a lot to go on. In three of those instances, Tyreek Hill just completely obliterated 
what he did in game one against those teams versus game two. So against the Chargers in week three, he had 9.7 fantasy points. Week 15, 32.8. Bills, 14.8 points in week five. Fast forward to last week, 31.8. Steelers, similar jump, not quite as big, but a significant jump. The other two games, he had a heel injury that knocked him out of one game. Uh, and the other game he had was on track for an incredible performance, but wasn't needed after early in the third quarter because it was a blowout. So Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid and this offense, they adjust. When Tyreek Hill is stymied, they figure out how to get him the ball in the second game of those two game sets. With Jamar Chase, he is truly hit or miss. And I think the Chiefs defense will actually go out of their way to make sure that Chase will not beat them like he did in week 17 and instead will force Higgins and Tyler Boyd and other guys to make the big plays. And, and let's stay on Tyree Kill for just a moment at $10,800 on DraftKings, right? And right. let's look back to when he played the Bengals four weeks ago, right? And six receptions, 40 yards, zero touchdowns. You do not believe that is an issue and think that managers should go all in for Tyree Kill today. Yes, the Beng the Bengals pass defense is uh, worse statistically than the teams that Tyreek Hill went off in game two of those two game sets. Between the Chargers, Bills, Steelers, and Bengals, the Bengals arguably are not better on pass defense than any of those teams. The Bengals simply worked to lock down Tyreek Hill in that game. The Chiefs still put up, what, 31 points in that game, whatever it was. They still got their points. The key was they focused all their attention on Hill. And I think that Andy Reid and this coaching staff, what they've demonstrated all season is that they figure out how to get their best playmaker open and with the ball. And that's why I think they're going to adjust. I'm not a fan of looking back on past stats when they don't have any relevance. I think coaching staffs adjust to what they've seen. And the fact that we've got five examples this season of Hill playing the same team twice, and we've seen the results, gives me greater confidence about this stack. You're absolutely right on that. And and past performance is not an indication of future performance. And I know that you stress that here with our fantasy team here at Pro Football Network. So I'm glad you're putting your money where your mouth is and, and realizing it and trusting that Hill, as you mentioned in the article, that his ceiling is nearly unrivaled today against the Bengals. So to recap so far, we have Mahomes at the quarterback position, who you believe it should be the DFS captain slot on DraftKings, right? That's right. And Tyreek Hill at the wide receiver position. And then you're going in on two more Chiefs wide receivers, which kind of makes sense because when you look at the Bengals, you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, and I know you're going to include them as well in your right. mind. We'll get to them in just a second. But uh, let's talk about Byron Pringle and, and Nicole Hardman. And Byron Pringle, $5,200, BJ. That's pretty cheap. No, that's pretty cheap. It for a guy who has five plus catches and seven plus targets in four of his last five games, five touchdowns. I always discount touchdowns when I'm analyzing game scripts. I don't think that they're um, uh, things that we need to uh, that that we can comfortably bet on. But I love that. I love that. By the way, let me let me just touch on that. Yeah. When I play fantasy too, right? I hear people talking about this guy has this many touchdowns, but it's so dependent on the game and the script that you can't really rely on touchdowns as a key performance indicator, right? That's right. I mean, they That's might, true. they might have a one yard pass. They might get a lucky break. They might get this might make it that I think the targets, right. And the receptions right. are a much more better indication of what we can expect. 
Thanks for Brett for saying that because I, I I don't want to discount the touchdowns and at the same time that's not the reason Pringles in this lineup. It's the receptions and the targets. He is the number three receiving option on this team. Uh, last year at this time he was uh, a completely tertiary option even to start the season. He was comfortably behind Miko Hardman and when they signed Josh Gordon there was a thought that Josh Gordon could leapfrog both of them. Uh, Pringle has elevated his game. He's earned the trust of of, uh, of Mahomes, and he is, if you're going to bet on any chief uh, outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Pringle is the safest bet just based on volume. And I say that even over the running back core, who are priced somewhat similarly between McKinnon and Edwards Hilaire and Williams, you still don't know which of those three guys is going to get the score today if one of them does. With Pringle, at least you're getting about 10 points pretty comfortably in this offense. And let's let's stay on there a second here. And, and you mentioned that five-plus catches on seven-plus targets in four of his last five games. That's right. And, and you mentioned, and, and I and I agreed with you there, that touchdowns aren't really a good KPI of what you can expect, at least in both of our opinions. Our audience may feel differently. <laughs> and and if that, that's the case, that's okay. But I, I think for me, BJ, looking at someone's targets – that's a really good indication of what we can expect moving forward. And I know it's still game dependent because, you know, the defense might be doubling this guy. And because of that, they get, they get this many targets here. But if you see sustained consistency with those targets, that tells us something that one, they're a part of the offense and two, the quarterback is looking for that guy on the field whenever, whenever that their name is called. That's exactly right. And it's, it is easier to, to find a scenario where a team tries to lock down the opposing team's best receiver. It is a much harder scenario to say the Bengals are going to be trying to lock down Byron Pringle. Uh, that is that is not um, a recipe for success to beat the Chiefs. So in a way, Pringle as the number three receiving option is a higher uh, probability bet than your normal number three receiver because uh, this is somebody who's already getting the volume and showing that he can produce even when Kelsey and or Hill produce. So it's it's so hard to contain this Chiefs offense. It it allows for Pringle to maximize his production in those, you know, seven plus targets that he gets because defenses just can't afford to lock down on him. And staying at that wide receiver position, right? Talking about targets, talking about catches and, and all these different things. So, so you got Tyreek Hill, you got Byron Pringle. And now you're adding Nicole Hardman to your lineup as well, yeah. another Chiefs receiver. And this was interesting, BJ, because you you have him at forty six hundred dollars, but yes. you could snag the kicker Harrison Butker for forty two hundred dollars. That's right. And I personally hate kickers in fantasy football. I think it is so <laughs> very there's such a high variance, and I feel like it's yeah. just the luck of the draw with kickers, right? You might as well just put on a blindfold and and pull a name out of a hat. That's and, right. and and while Butker, you know, you say is a pretty safe bet for more than nine points and what should be a high scoring game, you think differently and you're assuming at least four Chiefs touchdowns today. So yeah. talk to us about, about your decision to put Hardman in the lineup over Butker. Well, anyone listening to this who saw uh, uh, my PFN article last week for the DraftKings single slate uh, Titans Bengals, for that one, I had Evan McPherson as the captain. Um, which sounds bizarre, uh, but the reasoning was I didn't think it would be as high a scoring game as some thought it might be. 
And so I thought McPherson at his price, because you're paying a one and a half time premium in DraftKings for a captain versus, and, and you're getting one and a half times the production. So I felt like pound for pound, McPherson was the best value play and it would free up anyone else to make, you know, to make lineup decisions, to get high upside guys elsewhere, guys like, you know, Derek Henry and Joe Burrow and so on, AJ Brown. So McPherson turned out to be a big winner. He got four field goals, but that was because it was a low scoring game. If you're betting on Patrick Mahomes, if you're betting on a quarterback, I strongly advise not betting on the kicker because there's a high likelihood that they will cancel each other out. If you're doing a 50-50 lineup, I get it. You're hedging your bets, but it doesn't make sense to go with a quarterback that you're hoping throws for four scores and also get a kicker that you're hoping will get four field goals. That doesn't add up. So that was the tiebreaker for me. I felt like if I'm going all in on Mahomes in this passing game, I'm hoping Miko Hardman gets one or two big plays. That's all I'm hoping for for that cheap price. And with Butker, the best I'm hoping for, if, if, if Mahomes has a huge day, is maybe 9, 10, 11, 12 points, which is very realistic. But we need, you and I both know this, Matt, we need more than that to help people become big winners in a DFS lineup than 9, 10, 11, 12 points from a kicker. Absolutely, because we know that DFS lineups are kind of like a lottery ticket in some respects, right? You got to go for the, the right. high risk, high reward type of play. So to recap for our audience, before we talk about the last two spots in your DraftKings DFS lineup for Bengals versus Chiefs today, we have Patrick Mahomes at the QB position. And if you're playing DraftKings, that's your DFS captain slot. You have Tyree Kill at the wide receiver position for 10800 Byron Pringle for 5200 and Nicole Hartman for 4600 Let's flip to the other team and look at the Bengals. And you have T. Higgins at 7800 and you have Tyler Boyd at 4800 Talk to us about both of those selections and why you feel that those are better selections than, let's say, a guy like Joe Mixon or a guy like Jarek McKinnon who's come along strongly as of late or even Travis Kelsey. That's right. It's, it's tough because at this point um, – by stacking Mahomes and Hill and putting Mahomes in that DF in that in that uh, you know captain slot, we're left with only you know about twelve thousand six thirteen thousand six hundred left. So if we reach for Kelsey, if we reach for Jamar Chase, uh, if we go Joe Burrow, uh, we're basically doing a throwaway on someone who you know we could maybe do a stack with Demarcus uh, Robinson. But that leaves us really exposed if now we have four Chiefs receivers, um, you know, and try to uh, reach for Jamar Chase if that works. Or maybe we could reset our captain slot and pick Byron Pringle in the captain slot, which because we're only paying a one and a half time premium on his cheaper price, we now have a lot more flexibility to get maybe Jamar Chase and, you know, maybe someone like Kelsey, maybe not that good. So there are ways to play this. But I believe very strongly that T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd collectively could easily outperform Jamar Chase uh, because I think very strongly that the Chiefs will adjust. Jamar Chase had 58.6 fantasy points in week 17. A lot of people out there are going to be setting their DFS lineups in DraftKings and in FanDuel, and they're going to say, look what Chase did. Of course I'm investing in Chase. And there's a time to zig when other people are zagging. I think this is that time. Higgins is cheaper. Higgins has more receptions per game than Chase has. And Higgins is flying under the radar in terms of the Chiefs, I think, realize that they can stop Chase. They've got a great shot, a great shot at winning this game. And so Higgins and Tyler Boyd become a great stack for, for Joe Burrow. We could have gone CJ Uzuma. Um, 
I, but I'm not a fan of just taking a tight end like Azuma, even though he got a bunch of targets last week. I think he got seven or eight. That's not the norm for someone like Azuma. Uh, it, it's it's more along the lines of we're going big receivers, we're going big plays. And Tyler Boyd, by the way, he was a top 40 fantasy wideout, despite being the number four, number five option every week. Uh, he's had five plus targets in six straight games. So this is a guy who is very under the radar, more reliable than Miko Hardman for roughly the same price. And that's why I would rather stack these two guys, assuming that Chase gets more locked down than we expect, than try to wedge in Chase and some cheap option who might get one catch. So I, if I'm a casual DFS player, BJ, right? And I'm looking at Jamar Chase and I'm a casual NFL fan. And all I see is highlights from Jamar Chase and, <laughs> this and that and, and all these yards and these long touchdowns and these fantastic plays. You said something there because even when you were talking, I'm thinking, why isn't he picking Jamar Chase? And then you said it when 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 people are zigging, it's time to zag. And that kind of follows up my previous point about DFS being almost like a lottery ticket, and you have to go high risk, high reward. And you have to assume that a lot, a lot, a lot of people are picking Jamar Chase in their lineups. And so if you're joining the fray there and you're following people and what they're doing, your chances of winning become diminished because any big play that Jamar Chase makes, obviously that's going to affect your lineup and everyone else's lineup. But if you don't have Jamar Chase in there, then you have a real opportunity to capitalize if one of these other players that you pick instead of him starts to go off in the game. That's right. And you also look at, again, it's so much of the NFL, and you've studied this for a long time, Matt, it, it, so much of it is about adjustments. It's, it's, we, we don't see the same things happen when two teams face off a second time, usually because there are adjustments. Um, you know, we, The Bills Patriots are a good example. Earlier this year when they faced the first time, obviously really brutal cold conditions, but the Patriots just ran the ball incessantly. The Bills had no way to stop them. The Bills figured out in game two how to how to slow the run game, how to basically how to force Mac Jones to win the game through the air. These adjustments happen all the time. The one thing I can say is that the Bengals give up big plays more than any almost any other pass defense. They've given up the third most 20 plus yard pass plays. Uh, The Chiefs are somewhere in the middle in that range. Um, The Chiefs were embarrassed by Jamar Chase in week 17. There will be a focus, if there hasn't already been, <laughs> all, there's not a lot of time left actually, to, to make sure, like I said, that Chase does not beat them. And that's why I feel like as good as Chase is, there is a humanness to all of these players. Uh, and what's different about Jamar Chase in Cincinnati and someone like Devontae Adams in Green Bay is that for Green Bay, there's only usually one way to win through the air if they're going to go that direction, and it's through Devontae Adams. If Devontae Adams is somehow locked down, Aaron Rodgers is going to figure out how to get Devontae Adams involved. What we've seen this season is that when Jamar Chase is locked down or when he's dropping passes, he's not at his best, they have other options. There's four other guys who are great, either pass catchers or rushers, who can help win this game for Cincinnati. So I don't believe in the idea that Jamar Chase is just automatically going to be the best receiver because the Bengals have a stacked offense. And we saw what Jamar Chase did, and I don't want to overstate this, but if Jamar Chase gets shut down to 60 yards on three catches today, it's because Andy Reid and that coaching staff committed to stopping Chase 
and more than any other player. And that's the game script that we're going with. I personally feel that you can only contain Jamar Chase, not stop him. But we'll see. We'll see what the adjustments yeah. are made. But again, I think it goes back to your point, your bigger point of zagging when everyone's zigging. And, and I think that makes a huge difference, yes. especially as it relates to DFS lineups. All right, let's recap here for – Can I say one more – Yeah, go ahead. Can I say one more thing, Matt? Yeah. During a five-game stretch in the middle of the season, he had – I think Jamar Chase didn't clear 50 yards once. Maybe it was like 55 yards for five straight games. Um, uh, three of them happened to be losses. And at that time, there was buzz about how T. Higgins was better than Jamar Chase. And so I, I think people sometimes have short memories, and they, they see what Jamar Chase has done recently – but they don't equate it to five weeks ago. Were you just as high on Jamar Chase? And I think anyone making a DFS lineup has to think about those kinds of things. Are we high on this person because of what we've just seen? Or are we high on them because we believe that what they did previously was just a mirage and they've moved past it? And I think we have to commit to the fact that Jamar Chase has shown the capacity to be, like you said, not stopped, but definitely contained. And that's something that we need to focus on. I'll stop there, Matt. All good. Let's recap for our audience here. Bengals versus Chiefs, DraftKings DFS picks. Patrick Mahomes as your QB at $16,800. Tyreek Hill at the wide receiver slot, $10,800. Iron Pringle, wide receiver, $5,200. Mikol Hardman, $4,600 at the wide receiver slot. And then you're adding two more wide receivers going very wide receiver heavy. Uh, T. Higgins, $7,800 for the Bengals. And Tyler Boyd for the Bengals, $4,800. So let's recap now. Um, not recap, but move to the 49ers and the Rams game, which kicks off later today, right. 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you kind of looked at uh, the same thing here, although with the wide receiver slot, but although you twisted in the defense position for the Rams, and um, and that was your big twist compared to your Chiefs and Bengals lineup. But let's start again with the quarterback position. And you have Matthew Stafford here, 10,600 yes. instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Talk to us. Yes. Yeah, Garoppolo is one of those interesting cases because I think Garoppolo is, is and I don't think this is a hot take, he is the weakest, uh, I'll say, fantasy quarterback of the four remaining quarterbacks. And I think in the last round, uh, he might have uh, made a case for being weaker than Ryan Tannehill, which is, which is bizarre to say. Uh, but Tannehill, with everybody healthy, I think is just as good as Garoppolo with everybody healthy. I think Garoppolo is, is a beneficiary of circumstance. Um, he happens to have an incredible uh, high uh, performing, uh, high, you know, uh, several elite level or near elite level players who he can go to. And that's been the big benefit for him. Uh, he's happened to win these two playoff games despite not having a touchdown in either of those games. So it's, it, it really is remarkable, and I would caution people, if you're going to go Garoppolo, you know, and if you do five DFS lineups, you could do one with Garoppolo um, uh, just to roll the dice and see if things break his way. But the good money is on Matthew Stafford, uh, and the good money is on the better quarterback with even better surrounding talent, playing at home, coming off a loss in Week 18 to this team. In fact, six straight losses to these Niners. I think that that the money is on Stafford. And I'll say one more thing about this, Matt. We saw the Rams almost blow it last week to Tampa Bay. You know, one a, a yet another miraculous comeback by a Tom Brady-led team. And if if Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup had not connected with 30 seconds left at the end of the regulation and, and 
the Bucks won the coin toss in overtime and marched down and scored a touchdown, uh, obviously everything we think about Stafford would be different at this point. I think that Brady forced Stafford to elevate his game and become a championship level quarterback. It's you know very different to just play in the regular season and lose in the postseason in a mediocre team. It's different when you are surrounded by talent and you go up against defending Super Bowl champs on the road. You your team has just blown a 24 point lead, whatever it was, and he comes down with 30 seconds left and wins it on the road. I think that we're going to see a very confident Matthew Stafford today, a very different quarterback than we saw even when they played the Niners in week 18. I think Matthew Stafford's incredibly underrated, and I don't think he got the due that he deserved because he was overshadowed in Detroit by their poor records and losing seasons. Mm-hmm. And I would love nothing more than as a football fan, as someone who's really studied Matthew Stafford closely the past few years, to see him in the Super Bowl. So I'm, I am rooting as a football fan for Matthew Stafford today. Win or lose, uh, we'll love to see him in the Super Bowl, but win or lose, at least have a really good game and not have anything fall on his shoulders in terms of a loss. Right on. So let's go to the wide receiver position, uh, Stafford's teammate, Cooper Cup, and you also have Odell Beckham here as well. Yeah. So talk us through Cup and Beckham. Uh, Coop, Cooper Cup coming in at 12,200, obviously a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Odell Beckham really coming on strong as of late for the Rams at 8,600. And and so talk us through that and, and really hone in on the fact of Beckham's price tag, who you mentioned in your article on profootballnetwork.com. It's a lot to pay for for someone who hasn't surpassed 19.7 on average DFS fantasy points all season. Right. It's it, uh, you, you just hit it on the head. Uh, it is we are. This is a little bit of a zig because when when others are zagging, Beckham is not a safe pick. But I do believe the Rams uh, signed him uh, for. I, I think we all know this. They signed him for one reason: it was to win this year. Um, this is a team to build built to win now. Um, they don't have to worry about facing Tom Brady again uh, this season. They vanquished him. Uh, they might have to face uh, a fearsome uh, AFC opponent. I think I think the Niners are, are playing on fumes right now. I think the, the Niners um, a, a have won on special teams and defense uh, more than just about any other team that's gotten to this point uh, so close to another Super Bowl appearance. And I think the fumes run out at this point. I think that the Rams' passing attack is something that the Niners – forget Week 18. Uh, week 18, the Rams had already clinched a postseason berth. At that point, it was just seeding. I don't think the Rams of Week 18 are how we measure what the Rams can do with one game to go before the Super Bowl. We know what Cup can do uh, with Beckham. I think they signed him for games like this. Uh, and if he is not getting 20 plus points in, in fantasy, I would be shocked today. I think this is where big game Beckham comes into play. We shall see because remember when, when they traded for him and, and then he had a few poor performances, everyone started getting on the Rams and Odell Beckham about his performance, but he yes. has turned it around as of late and made a few big plays for them. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I'm very interested to see his impact in today's game. To recap so far, we have Matthew Stafford at the QB slot. We have Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham. And let's stay with the Rams before we jump to the 49ers. You have the Rams defense in here for 6,900. I can I can hear the scrutiny in your voice. This is very, very interesting because we know the 49ers are, can be a high-powered offense. So talk yes. us through your thinking here. 
the thinking is we get to stack this lineup if we find a cheap captain slot. The Rams are roughly, I think it's 4,600 if you're just doing a generic picking the Rams in DraftKings DFS, but we're paying one and a half times the amount, 6,900 to make them a captain and we're getting one and a half times their production. So if they get 10 points in fantasy today, we actually get 15 points out of them for 6,900, which is a pretty good haul, uh, all things considered. Um, they, this is a team, take a look at where this team was late in the third quarter last week against the Bucks. They had outscored their two playoff appointed opponents at that point, um, something like, uh, uh, I don't even you know, 60, uh, or, you know, 50 something or whatever to like 14. I mean, it was, it was a dramatic gap, uh, in terms of, of what they had given up versus the points that they had accrued. They have at least one interception in their last seven contests, at least three sacks in six of their last seven. The Bucks made last game close because they're the Bucks, because they're defending champs, they have the best quarterback of all time, and one of the best receivers of the modern era, and one of the best tight ends of all time, uh, and and a great running game. So we, I, I don't want to overstate the fact that, yes, the Rams defense could give up big points, but they did it because they had three turnovers down the stretch. And anytime you're turning the ball over three times in your own uh, uh, territory, you're going to give up points. I think the Rams on paper have one of the best defenses by far in the league, and they arguably have the best defense of the four remaining teams. They're playing at home against a team they've lost to six straight times. They are stacked on defense. They like I said, with interceptions and sacks, they are consistently racking up points. All it takes is a defensive score. All it takes is Jimmy Garoppolo trying to do too much, which we've seen. Garoppolo's uh, interception rate is not great. Garoppolo wins because he doesn't have to pass 40-plus times. Um, if Garoppolo is forced to pass, if this game gets out of hand just a little bit, um, that's when we start to see mistakes happen. If, if the Niners can just run the ball through Elijah Mitchell for most of the game, that would be one thing, but I'm using the Rams defense here because I know that Elijah Mitchell is not a safe pick in this lineup. I am instead assuming that Garoppolo is going to have to do more with the ball, and he's not ready to do that against a fully charged Rams defense with everything to play for. Remember, the Rams defense is the reason why they are playing the 49ers today. Had they stopped Jimmy Garoppolo on that game-winning drive a few weeks ago, the 49ers would not be in the playoffs today. And the Rams would be looking perhaps at a different opponent or maybe not even in this game at all because of the way the playoff bracket would have shaped out with the Rams playing someone else and perhaps exactly not. Right. Exactly right. It's amazing. It's amazing what the butterfly effect can do. <laughs> Let's move over to the 49ers side. Uh, Debo Samuel, no surprise here, BJ, at $10,000. Yeah. The guy is electric. And even if everyone's zigging there, I think you have to stay with that. Right, I don't think you can risk saying I'm not going to to take him out of the lineup. I think there's a point where you start to get cute sometimes and overthink things. This is not yeah. one of those times to do that. And then you have Mohamed Sanu at two hundred, two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. Not a typo. Dollars, not a typo. That is not a typo. Wow. All right. So quickly touch on Samuel Debo because uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of analysis here that's going to change anyone's <laughs> mind. But I really am interested to hear about Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, so this comes down to, uh, you know, I, I played with this lineup any number of ways. Uh, uh, you know, for those of you listening, 
uh, Matt gives me all week to do game scripting and come up with the best lineup. So I really was trying to, I, you know, I second guess myself. We're all human. I'm going through different game scripts. I'm trying to assess what do I think will happen in each quarter? How do I think the scoring is going to go? And where do I think the pressure points are going to be on each team? And if the pressure point is going to be on the Niners to play catch up, that's where Debo Samuel plays a bigger role. And this is also why Cam Akers is not in this lineup. If the Rams are up by, you know, 14 in the fourth quarter, I don't think they're going back to Cam Akers uh, in the fourth quarter, given what happened last week. I think you're going to see more Sonny Michelle. And so you can't rely as much on the Rams running game. So all of these conditions are going in. And at the end of the day, Debo is the guy who, you know, and I looked at George Kittle and I thought maybe George Kittle, but George Kittle's ceiling, we've seen it twice this year, has been through the roof and we've seen it other times in past years. But this offense runs through Debo in the passing game. There's no question about it. So we got to go with what's gotten this team here, which is Debo Samuel's playmaking. He scored from everywhere on the field. If you look at his chart of where he scored from this season, you know, several times from 40 to 50, several times from over 70 yards, several times from inside 10 yards. There is no place on the field where you can just forget about Debo Samuel. Um, and uh, and as far as Sanu, this is, it, it crushes me because I wish there were a good option. I think at this point of the lineup, there's $1,500 remaining. I would love to find a better, more, you know, more reliable guy at 1500 Unfortunately, you know, these things don't work out. I can't get even Robbie Gould for, you know, 1500 Um, I could maybe try to see if there's a backup running back, if this is a blowout or Elijah Mitchell gets hurt, God forbid, and Jermichael Hasty steps in. Maybe we try to see if we can wedge Hasty into this lineup. But at the end of the day, we're going with a guy, a veteran, who's been there. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is more experienced than Juwan Jennings. Jennings has the upper hand as the guy who's taken Sanu's place as the number three uh, number three wideout in this offense when Sanu got hurt. But Sanu had, I think it was 17 catches in about seven games uh, earlier this season before getting hurt. Again, we're going with veteran abilities. If this is the fourth quarter and the Niners are down 18 points, I can see Sanu getting into the action if the Niners offense is struggling more than I can just sticking with what's gotten them there this far. I think Sanu gets 15, 20, 25 reps on offense in terms of snaps. And as long as we get two or three catches for maybe 15, 20 yards, you're hoping at this point that he finds the end zone. You're hoping that you get a lucky break and you can overly stack your offense elsewhere and sneak in with a 10-point Sanu. When you see some of these winning lineups that wins a million dollars, several hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, there's always that one player or two players who stand out and, and you say, why the hell would anybody start this player, right? Yes. I think that's like a Muhammad Sanu situation here where if he gets in the game somehow and because of you know what you just kind of described and makes an impact, well, the chances of people playing him are going to be very few. And, and that's an opportunity. If that happens again, that lottery ticket thing, if that happens, that's an opportunity for you to rise up the leaderboard and perhaps take home some money today. That's right. You, you, with a DFS lineup, there's a time to be safe. And I think, like I've said, uh, we've talked about 50, 50 lineups are great way. This is not a, Sanu is not a 50, 50 bet. If we were doing 50, 50, um, you know, we, we'd probably, uh, 
uh, you know, change things around, maybe take out, uh, you know, maybe take out Debo, Debo, I hate to say it, and maybe stick in two other guys who collectively would get more than Debo and Mohamed Senu realistically could get, but we're playing for a big play. Those who started Gabriel Davis last week for the Bills, uh, we pushed him in in uh, one of our lineups uh, that that hit big at PFN, but he wasn't in the captain slot. And I was struck. Our, our lineup finished in the top maybe 8 10%, but the ones who won put Gabriel Davis in the captain slot. We can't always be that bold. Um, these things are rolls of the dice, but we can. the way you get good at DFS, again, is you go through game scripts, you go what's likely, and like you're saying, you try to find that one guy that's just a complete departure from expectations because we know that you know there's the Kyle Useks of the world and others who could get a cheap score. And those are Blanton, the backup you know tight end for the Rams. You get one of those guys in your lineup and you hit big, that's great. We're not going to be that bold with getting a guy who just is completely phased out for three games at a time. We're taking a guy like Sanu who's on the field about 30, 40% of the time when he's healthy sometimes more, and we're hoping he gets that red zone look that we're looking for. That's absolutely correct. I might place a new in my lineup today just, just for the hell of it, BJ. And then when we're when we're celebrating our victories today on our yachts on the Indian Ocean next week, we can we can look back at this podcast and this article on ProFootballNetwork.com and say this is I'm, why. That's, uh, I, I look forward to that day, man. <laughs> All right, so recap for our audience here. On the 49ers versus Rams DraftKings DFS lineups today, we have uh, Cooper Cup at the wide receiver slot at the captain position, Matthew Stafford at the QB slot, uh, Odell Beckham, the wide receiver, 8,600. Stafford was 10,800. The Rams defense, uh, 6,900. And I'm sorry, this is the captain slot, right? That's right. It's normally 4,600, but you're the captain slot at 6,900. And we're not making Cooper Cup the captain, so I take that back. We're not making Cooper Cup the captain because that would cost eighteen thousand three hundred, which is a lot of freaking money. And you then we have start, you, you got to drop from Debo to Juwan Jennings if you're going to make that work. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's those are the kind of things we're playing that's with. Too big of a high. That's too big of a risk. That's going crazy, crazy outside the box. Then we got Debo Samuel at ten thousand, the wide receiver, and Muhammad Sanu, who we just talked about, the wide receiver for two hundred dollars. All right, BJ, that is it. And for our audience, that's your DraftKings lineups. There are lots of similarities. You can pull over to FanDuel as well if you choose to play on that platform or any other DFS platform that you choose to play on. Just keep in mind the different variances uh, of prices, but also keep in mind the underlying principles and the processes of coming to these conclusions of, of how BJ here came to these um, you know lineups and understanding the nuances of each of the games and then thinking from there. And, and also remember to zig when everyone's zagging or zag when everyone's zigging, whichever one you prefer. BJ, just to close out here, let's have have a little bit of fun. Who is your pick? Straight up. None of this against the spread stuff. Straight up. Bengals versus Chiefs, 49ers versus Rams. What do you got? Uh, def definitely Chiefs and Rams, and I'm not hesitating. I, I don't remember a time, and maybe you, you, know, you have a great sense of NFL history. I don't remember a time when two home teams playing for uh, the conference title games when their most recent loss uh, was to the teams they're playing against in those title games. Um, this is this is revenge on a whole other level. Um, it's really bizarre to see these two matchups. And normally I'm taking the home team by default, you know, more often than not in these types of matchups. But I think for, you know, those reasons, in addition to the fact that these are revenge games, these are 
this is a time when the when we those teams that lost the Chiefs and the Rams have seen what it takes, what, what how they lost, and they can make adjustments. That is a gift, and it reminds me of the Giants against the Patriots uh, 15 years ago when the Patriots were trying to go undefeated, uh, and they played in week back then, week 17, the final week of the season. The Patriots just barely won. The things the Giants learned in that game when the Patriots started all their starters uh, with the uh, deserved hubris of a team that thought they were going to go undefeated, the Giants learned from that and beat them in the Super Bowl in large part because they were able to game plan based on the mistakes they made and the mistakes they wish they could have exploited from their opponent. I think that's what we see today. Very different games with the Chiefs and Rams, very different outcomes than what we saw a few weeks ago. And I'm going with the Bengals and the Rams. I'm going to see the Niners and just completely undo everything. I, I, I would love to see the Niners. There was a story, you know, who kind of went up and down as a roller coaster throughout the season. But I think I think the Rams are just have the more experience. Um, although Sean McVay has lost to Kyle Shannon, I believe, the last four times they've met. Maybe off in that number just by a bit. But uh, he's lost like, the last four times they've met. So we'll see. We shall I, see. Why the Bengals? What's the? Do you just think the Bengals' offense is too strong? I, I think the Bengals don't know what they don't know, right? And they've said this before too in the playoffs. And I think that them coming into Arrowhead Stadium, there's not going to be a whole lot of pressure on them. This is a lot of house money they're playing with. Whereas you have Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, Kelsey. There's a lot of pressure on those guys to get back to the Super Bowl and then win the Super Bowl, right? Um, right. I think. I just think the Bengals are going to be much, much, much looser than the Chiefs will be. But that's why they play the game, right? We shall see. We shall see. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on this special Sunday Conference Championship DFS DraftKings edition of our Pro Football Network Fantasy Podcast. For BJ Rudell, our Pro Football Network Fantasy Director, I'm Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more fantasy tips and advice heading not only into the Super Bowl, but also looking ahead to the offseason with Dynasty and more.